There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. I'm being joined by two of our uh, esteemed co-hosts today. We got Peaches here. We've got Chris here. Robbie's got some family in town doing some some other business, so he's not going to be here for this episode, which is really unfortunate because I'm really, really excited about this one because... Just like all of none of you have been asking, we're finally going to do Marvel's, Sony's, Sony's, Spider-Man's Venom. 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 The Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. That's the one, even though yeah. I think they changed they, it recently, They right? did change the name, which makes me sad because the fact that we were... Exp- what they change it to? Sony's, Sony's Spider-Man, Spider-Man universe, universe or something yeah. like that, yeah. I much prefer Sony's universe or Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, the Spunk, because it's just horrible. Kind of what Venom looks like. Um, (laughs) So we've already talked about Venom's character, like history. If you want to listen to that, listen to the Spider-Man three episode. We go over in pretty decent detail about when Venom was first introduced and all of that. Um, But for right now, I think it's important to to make the distinction that this Venom that is in this movie. And this movie in general is a completely original story. Like there are some pretty small similarities like Eddie Brock is named Eddie Brock and he's a reporter. The symbiote comes from space. There are lots of similar character names, but a lot of what is in this movie is not like the comic book at all. There's some stuff that is, but a lot of the main plot, a lot of what, what generally happens uh, is not like the movie or not like the comics, excuse me. So be ready for that. You should also be ready to come on over and support us over at patreon.com slash assembly required, where you can join our patron exclusive discord. Listen to us talk about all kinds of nonsense and join our patron exclusive community nights where we do all kinds of fun stuff like play Jackbox games, play a lot of board games. We do this all over the computer. You don't have to be sitting next to us. We get, you know, people live all over the globe really that listen to this show. Um, So if you want to do that, patreon.com slash assembly required required but you can sit next to us if you want like you can you can hang out with me please right. hang out with me on okay. wednesdays we wear pink we, we need to get you a, a symbiote friend <laughs> <laughs> yes we do so the film opens no, i'm sorry just... we're sitting venom and it's directed by ruben fleischer i hardly know her uh <laughs> oh boy well that's oh, <laughs> So the film opens with a space shuttle from the Life Foundation carrying J.J. Jameson III crashing in Malaysia. Wait, that's who that was? Yeah, they say it's Jameson. Yep. I, I knew that, but I thought he was just saying, oh, that's my boy Jameson. I know that guy. Classic Jameson. No, it is. Because <laughs> in, uh, in the comics, it, it's, J. Jonah, it's J. Jonah Jameson III that goes into space and brings back the symbiote. I did not know that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we probably talked about it, but that was thought, more than three minutes ago, so I forgot it. 
I'm I, I get confused on Venom's origins in the comics. It's changed I, a few times. Yeah, because initially he like bonded with Spider-Man during the Secret War, when the Beyonder abducted all the heroes and all the villains, and Spider-Man found this black suit. Although I think he already had the black suit in the comics, and then Secret War came out later, and they found out how. But but yeah, you're definitely right about Jameson. I just don't. I don't remember how exactly he fits in. It's yeah, and so I, I know that they there's there's a point where they retcon it to J. Jonah Jameson's an astronaut. J.J. Jameson, excuse me, is an astronaut, uh-huh. goes into space. Um, he either finds a space rock. I think he just finds like a rock. It's literally just like a like a meteorite rock. And then the rock, when he gets back, turns into it's like a It's not just a meteor. It's a rock. <laughs> he finds a Dwayne Johnson in space. Yes. So yeah, J.J. Jameson III crashes in Malaysia. And as Jameson is being treated for his wounds, something that is attached to him comes alive and attacks those inside his ambulance, causing it to crash. <laughs> Uh, an EMT then steps out of the wreckage as the new host for this mysterious alien entity. In San Francisco, we are introduced to Eddie Brock and his fiance, a lawyer named Ann Wang. We then see a montage of Eddie's work as a successful TV show host where he undergoes investigative stories to share with others. Eddie goes to work, or gets to work, and is informed by his boss that he will be doing a story on Carlton Drake, the CEO of the Life Foundation. Now, Brock protests the assignment because he thinks Drake is not a good person, but his boss tells Eddie to just do the interview and not ask any questions about his work and only the new rocket they're set to launch. And he specifically tells Eddie that this is not the wild, wild west. You can't just do whatever you want. (laughs) And that completely distracted me from the movie because as soon as he said wild, wild west, I start like trying to resist doing my party trick which is singing all of the words to Wild Wild West to a T. And uh, yeah, spoiler alert for my episode rating. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering why. Now now I understand. (laughs) Just a small little line. And then, you know, I'm like, dun, 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 dun. Wicked, wicked, wah. I'm not going to start. I'm not going to start. Hey, Jaden. Also, it happens that Anne, Brock's fiance, is the lawyer representing Drake, and she also asks him not to ask any pressing questions because, you know, she's his lawyer and she doesn't want him, you know, doing anything. Okay, so my my question is, this is common knowledge. Why would the editor not be like, oh, hang on, this is a conflict of interest. I can't put you on this story. Because it's not supposed to be that story. He's specifically telling Eddie, hey, don't do a story on any of this other stuff. Literally just, we want a story on the rocket. Go do your job. There's not supposed to be a conflict of interest because... Well, I feel like even, you know, just reporting on a company that your significant other works for, I think even if it's supposed to be a good story is, you know, that that raises some ethical, you know, actually it's about ethics and space journalism. Yeah, we're, we're talking, we're coming from a place where we work for a company where we couldn't participate in certain TV shows because we worked for the company, like TV shows that had nothing to do with our job operating machinery. Yeah. So or like if your spouse worked for the company, which I remembered two days ago and got sad about. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I feel like I'm with Chris on this one. Like that's kind of, that's not that far of a stretch. You're not wrong, but 
it doesn't matter anyway because Eddie just completely <laughs> ignores everyone's wishes and goes into his fiance. He uh, he breaks into her personal laptop and, and you know finds information about Drake. Uh, then he goes on. This is one of my favorite scenes in this whole thing. They're so they go and they go into Life Foundation, right? And it's like there's like kids on a field trip, right? And Drake is giving this speech, and then he's like, does anybody have any questions? And this little girl raises her hand, and everybody's just like, ha ah, you raised your hand! And he's like, no, no, you can't silence those that have questions. And then he never answers her question! <laughs> she doesn't even get to ask it. He literally, yeah. this is like... It's great that you want to ask questions. I gotta go. <laughs> Don't you ever let anyone not ask a question. Take this little badge, though, to remember me by. That guy's a real riot. That's true. Uh, so then they have the interview, and at the interview, Eddie presses Drake on the human testing he's been doing, as well as the deaths that have come from them. Drake then ends the interview quickly and then tells Eddie to leave because, you know, obviously he's not going to answer these questions. He literally doesn't want to. <laughs> we also find out that Drake has gotten his hands on three different symbiotes. Eddie is fired, obviously. His fiance is also fired and breaks up with him, obviously. Back in Malaysia, we see the next step in the mysterious symbiote's journey as it eats the head off of an eel and finds an old lady to inhabit. I'll let you know, I didn't put any of the rest of the tales of this in the notes because it's literally not important. It makes no difference. I find this to be the <laughs> most superfluous unnecessary part of this entire movie. It makes no sense why there is a fourth symbiote somewhere that ended up somewhere that eventually ends up in San Francisco. What if, hear me out, Riot was just one of the three that he caught and then eventually it just ends up bonding with him? What if? Right. And it would totally make sense. Where's the watcher? Yeah, it would totally make sense for the plot, too, because he has that moment where he kills the scientist lady with a symbiote. That could have been Riot. And then he goes into the room to, like, check on her body, and he goes, Aha! I gotcha! And he attaches to him. Boom. He even says that line, Aha! I gotcha! <laughs> As symbiotes are wont to do. But instead, ah. every time... Like every time we feel like we're getting into a groove with this movie, we have to cut over to some other continent to show this person in tr like traveling and then deciding they want to be a new body. Like they really just wanted that little blonde girl to threaten Riz Ahmed. Yes, and she Why? barely did. She just shows. <laughs> First of all, the science. Okay, now I'm jumping ahead, but while we're here, the scientist had to sneak Eddie Brock into a lab, but the bodyguard or the guards just let a little girl wander into their boss, the room their boss is in. She looks like she's supposed to be here. Like <laughs> maybe yes. she has a question. <laughs> oh, well then he's not going to answer it. Yeah. So I, I should preface with, I think I actually do enjoy a lot of this movie, but a lot of this movie to me, this movie is a, is it's a movie of peaks and valleys. There are some highs, and the stuff that I like in this movie, I think I really like. I think it, the stuff that's fun is really fun, but the stuff that's not fun, the stuff that's dumb, is really not fun and really dumb, and it it really takes you out of the fun parts. It's one of the reasons I'm really excited for the sequel, which we have, me and Peaches, Chris has seen it, but Peaches and I have not seen it yet, because from what I understand, 
it cuts out a lot of this garbage for the good garbage. Good garbage. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here for the good garbage. Yeah. I don't want the, the garbage garbage. Yeah. I found this one had a lot of the things that stood out to me were the things that I didn't like. So I might sound like a, like an asshole in this episode, but I mean, I agree with what you just said. Like, I don't know the things that it does poorly. It's like, wow, you, uh, you tried to do it that poorly, didn't you? <laughs> uh, so we then fast forward six months. Uh, Drake is continuing to research uh, his research on the symbiotes. And in true Marvel villain fashion, he instructs his team to move on to human testing way too early, yep. which we have seen in multiple movies and it never ends well. Start the human trials now. Back to formula. <laughs> <laughs> that ended pretty well. We got a lot of laughs out of that. That's true. That's true. Impressive. Impressive. Uh, we also got um, the yellow jacket doing human trials on himself. Mm-hmm. It's always at least Avirad is smart enough to do the human trials on someone else. Whereas the last two decided we're going to do them on ourselves. Maybe that's more ethical. Is it more ethical to start human trials early on yourself? Yes. Um, I'm, you know, that's actually an interesting question. <laughs> Man, I had no hesitancy. Why are you hesitating? <laughs> I mean... Because the thing is, is I still wouldn't say it is ethical at all. But is it slightly more ethical? Probably, but it is still in the realm of not ethical. It's less unethical than doing it to other people. Right. Still unethical. Yeah. Because yeah. you're subjecting your, yourself and possibly only yourself to tests if you do human trials only on yourself. You don't know that, though. You don't, but you think you are. <laughs> I mean, I because the last two times, on... it did not end well for the general public. Um, yeah, that's true. Yellow Jacket turned that man into goo. That is true. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> and Green Goblin threw that pumpkin bomb that turned all those people into skeletons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't actually end up well for the general public yeah, most times but now they sell those skeletons at home depot and they stand in your yard i wish i'll get you one. i guess technically they do but so chris we've seen a lot of this movie so far this movie feels like it's stuck in a different time the problem with a movie stuck in a different time is it's a different time that wasn't that long ago yeah. There's also some really weird in character choices as far as Aviarad is concerned in general. Well, Av- Aviarad is the producer. I'm sorry, not Aviarad. I'm just talking about um Are you talking about uh Riz Ahmed? Yes. Yeah. Man, I apologize. No, it's okay. But yeah, I mean I'll talk about him too, but um but yeah, my my point was actually about the producer. Well, um, that makes a lot more I'm, sense. I'm going I'm going to bring it back to Spider-Man 3. Because to me, this movie feels like it's an early 2000s comic book movie that happens to have been made in like 2018 or, or whenever the hell, hell it came out. Was, that, was it 2018? 2018, 2019, something like that? Yeah. yeah. It had to have been before Into the Spider-Verse because that was the post That's right. Yeah, the post credits was a, was a clip of Into the Spider-Verse. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was neat. But yeah, it, it feels like it's the modern day. Venom is an interesting character and always has been. Venom in the 90s was kind of emblematic of the extreme 90s comics and then Carnage, you know, even more so. But they've also done some really interesting things with the character Venom and the whole mythology of the symbiotes and all that over the years. I know, Eduardo, you said you've been reading The King of Black. Have you finished that? I haven't finished it yet, no. Yeah, okay. But but yeah, that really expanded a lot of the mythology and yep. made it 
more integral to the Marvel cosmic universe in, in some really interesting ways. But yeah, this movie still seems to be about the 90s extreme venom in a little little bit of a way. Uh, and I think part of that has to do with Avi Arad, who has been a producer at Sony for a long time. He was a producer on the original Sony Spider-Man movies, the Sam Raimi ones, and then the uh, uh, the Andrew Garfield ones. On line with the director for the first one, and uh, or for the first one, the actor for the second one. But I did. You know what I mean. We smell what you're stepping in. Yeah. Well, he is the person who pretty much made them put Venom in Spider-Man Three, because he thought that Sam Raimi was too interested in using the villains that he liked from growing up as a Spider-Man fan. And how dare he? And he thought that Sam Raimi should be using more modern villains that kids today were more interested in. You know, that's why the first two Spider-Man movies were famously flops because, (laughs) you know, um, yeah. So they put Venom in the third one. Yeah. They used some real unknown villains for the first two, like, the Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus. Yeah, who the hell are those guys? Real no names. <laughs> God, if they ever showed up again, I'd be so bored I'd leave the theater. Uh, <laughs> Harry's butler. <laughs> I heard Harry butt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Harry's um, butler. That's uh, its name, Lur. Of Omicron Percy I ate. The Adams family had a butler named Lurch, which is close. Now Harry Butlerch. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We're in rare form tonight. Um, anyway, Avirod really wanted to make a Venom movie for the longest time, and he finally got his wish, and I feel like he just did not involve pa- evolve past 1998 when they were making this movie. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I actually enjoy some of the throwback-y stuff to it, but it does make for a really weird tonal thing throughout and that's not even mentioning tom hardy which we will later you know absolutely we will but i would bet money and i'm pretty confident in this that if this movie would have come out in the early 2000s it would have been a smash hit absolutely this movie would have been we would be talking about the how how beloved this movie is if it would have come out in that time period mm-hmm. we have gotten significantly better superhero movies since then and so i think our standards are a little higher than they were but I think if this movie comes out in the time period that it feels like it was filmed for, it would have been a huge success. Yeah. Not that it yeah, wasn't a success, because this movie made a butt ton of money. It but. did make a lot of money, <laughs> especially overseas. Yeah. A Harry Butlerch ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it feels like they had the script in the drawer since about 2005, and they're like, screw it, we're making it. Yeah, good for them. I I mean, I respect it. I yeah. To be honest, if that's what they're going to do, I want them to go 100% into that, right? Like, if you're going to do a weird 2000 superhero movie, go all the way. Because it feels like this movie is a little bit kind of stuck in multiple, like in, in between two places. Yeah. And I feel like they were just kind of figuring out the kind of movie they wanted to make by the time it was over. But Hopefully once we do another episode, which maybe you'll hear it pretty soon on Let There Be Carnage, we, we find out that they maybe have have turned a corner on that. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. We had a, I'm having like a flashback because we had a similar, overall a similar experience with Captain Marvel, where some of the complaints from the hosts of that episode were that they were trying to make something that felt like it was in the 90s and it didn't feel enough like it was in the 90s. Yeah, and like yeah. this movie isn't necessarily based in the 2000s, but it like is filmed as if it is. And so yeah. I want you to just go all the way with it, you know? 
Yeah, it's like all the evolution of superhero movies never happened, and it feels like, not quite like a spinoff of the Raimi movies, but definitely it feels, there's just something about it where it's like, I'm a comic book movie, so I've got attitude because I'm an anti-hero, and... There's a lot of really interesting tonal inconsistencies in this movie. For example, we're going to move on now and say, um, talk about Eddie and how much his life sucks, right? So he's got no job. His girlfriend dumped him. His apartment, though, we're supposed to, like, I imagine we are being framed to believe that he has a shitty apartment. He has a really nice apartment in, like, the heart of San Francisco. I'm sure that apartment's crazy expensive, mm-hmm. and it's a pretty decent apartment. Like, I'm looking at the apartment, I'm like, oh, no, I'd live there. That's a nice apartment. But I think the people who are making this movie want us to think that it's a shitty apartment. Because it was kind of messy. Mm-hmm. End of things that looked wrong with it is right. that he didn't clean it as well yeah. as he could. And a noisy neighbor. Uh, yes. The end. End this, of must bad be a, this must be a low-class apartment because he has no butler. <laughs> no hairy His butler. pizza boxes are strewn about as though they were just <laughs> carpet decorations. It just feels like the people that were making this movie were kind of out of touch with a few of these things. And so it comes off a little jarring. Hollywood out of touch? No. <laughs> Surely you jest. Let me uh, write that down for the uh, point that y'all know I'm going to make. And we get this really cool metaphor touch. about how shitty his life is because he can't even take care of a plant. The plant is even dying. Oh, no. That just sounds like he's a bad person that he doesn't know how to, not a bad person for not taking care of a plant, but like that sounds like he is the reason for his problems. If you want to make that metaphor, the metaphor is, Eddie Brock is the reason for all of his own problems, which is not how they're trying to paint it. They're trying to paint it like, oh, down on his luck. The world just keeps kicking him while he's down. But everything they've shown us so far has just shown us that Eddie Brock is stupid and shit in his own bed. Gross. Tell that to Eddie. The the point is supposed to be, oh, he stood up for his journalistic integrity to get to the bottom of this because he's a humanitarian who's trying to get to the truth. But he, he could have done that in so much of a better way. Although he does have at least one friend, a homeless woman named Maria that lives outside the corner store he frequents. I put that in there because that's apparently going to come into into play soon. Why we needed that, I'm not 100% sure. This relationship doesn't really do anything for the movie. Uh, But he then has a friendship really briefly with this person. Then he goes to his ex-girlfriend's apartment only to find her coming back from a date with another man who was also a doctor. Right before this, he's approached by Dr. Dora Skirth slash Mona Lisa. A scientist at the Life Foundation that is oh my god, money please. <laughs> That's who that is. Yeah, dude. Dude, I couldn't figure out why I knew her. Jenny I Slate? was like, I was racking my brain to yeah. figure out. That's money, please. Yeah, oh dude. my god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, sorry. Epiphany is. This is a strong one. Ooh, uh, did you she, notice she, that in the trailer she pronounced it symbiote? Yes. And then I feel like they must have gone back and redubbed every instance of that word to make it symbiote, because that caught me by surprise when I watched this that movie. That caught a lot of people by surprise because people were not happy when that happened. I All the remember Italians. I the Italians. <laughs> I remember putting out a Twitter poll like, "Is it like how do you pronounce it?" Because while symbiote probably an acceptable pronunciation, I have never heard it that way. Also, according to my iPhone, symbiote is not a real word. But surely it's a real word. It's a real word. Yeah. Symbiosis is a thing that actually happens in nature. It's not a made-up comic book thing. 
And if my iPhone knows what vibranium is and doesn't underline that, you know, it shouldn't. Yeah, the Merriam-Webster says a symbiote is uh, an organism living in symbiosis. Okay. Does it say, like, the first year that word was used? First known use of symbiote, 1877. Yeah! That's way before Venom. Yeah, take that, Apple. I hope they fix that in their next iPhone. So Mona Lisa uh, goes up to, to Brock. Uh, she's a scientist at the Life Foundation, and she's been working with the symbiotes, the symbiotes. She requests Brock help to bring the story to the public as Drake's experiments on humans have resulted in mostly death. Eddie refuses, but later changes his mind because he sees his ex-girlfriend with her new doctor boyfriend and decides, I guess this means all I have left is to help people. <laughs> no, his his motivations there don't make a ton of sense. He like sees his, his ex with this guy, and then he's like, you know what I should do? Help people. That's what, that's what'll get her back. Mm-hmm. What a weird, just one-off, two-minute thing where he's like, ah, never mind. I'll continue with the plot. <laughs> yeah, really, <laughs> really. <laughs> why didn't he just say yes for the, Like, why do we care? It's fine. Because, like, that interaction, typically when you have, like, a hero changing their tune like that, it's because whatever they experienced previously, something triggered a a response that reminded them of that thing, right? Like, like Iron Man wanting to, to make a suit of armor around the world because he gets approached by the woman after that conference and says, you killed my son. Now his motivation is, well, my son died because of what y'all did. His motivation is now fueled by that. The doctor is his mother. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. What you said. (laughs) This is like, she's like, hey, the guy that you interviewed really is evil and he's doing a lot of bad things. And he's like, I don't care. And you're supposed to think the next scene would show him why he should care. But instead, it's just, hey, I met my my ex's boyfriend. (laughs) He seems like a nice guy. I guess I better save the world or something. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. It's no. not the right trigger. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Skirt takes Eddie to the Life Foundation, where Eddie sees the only friend we've been introduced so far, Maria, trapped in an isolated cryocell. I put here to talk about Tom Hardy's performance because I want to talk about a scene that happens here that really, to me, exemplifies how fucking weird Tom Hardy is in the movie. <laughs> Him and Mona Lisa are in an elevator, and they're talking about aliens. And at one point, he does this really weird <laughs> ET impression. And it's, it's so weird because it's not like ET at all. It's Tom Hardy doing a really weird Brooklyn thing and then also doing a really, really weird ET impression. And it's all just so, so strange. It's so funny. He's And you know what? Props to Tom Hardy because he is really going for it. I don't know what he's going for, but he is going for it. <laughs> I just remember when the initial trailer came out, and I just remember going, what the hell is he doing with his voice? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's an accent or a dialect or just this cadence that he has, but he's just every word be- a little different. I think, we're su- one, we're supposed to believe he's from New York, which yeah, comes which out at times, sense. but it's like, it's as if, Hear me out here. A British person watched a lot of movies about New York and then attempted to do a New York accent. <laughs> That's kind Point of what of. it sounds like mixed with a crazy person. Uh huh. I, sometimes I feel like they told him 
not that I have experience with this. I'm putting this out on the table because it's true and because it sounds like I might have experience with this based on what I'm about to say. It sounds like they were like, pretend you're on cocaine. <laughs> like, like pretend you're really high and you're at the low point in your life where you're also spending your money exclusively on drugs. Because that's like that middle section of the movie, like right before and during and a little bit after when when Venom attaches to him, it's just like he just he snorted a mountain of coke. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just put his face on the table and vacuumed it up. This doesn't really have anything to do with his performance, but why is he so aggressively sweaty and dirty throughout the whole movie? He's just constantly <laughs> caked in sweat and dirt and just so gross looking just the whole time. Like, you know, go. they're like, we need to make Tom Hardy somehow be unappealing. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to just make him so disgusting and dirty that nobody will want him. It's all just left over from his apartment. Listeners, if you have any experience with Coke, can you tell us if that's a normal thing for... (laughs) And then seek help. Yeah. (laughs) But also, congratulations on being rich, I guess. Um, Yeah. Damn. (laughs) Money, please! (laughs) Patreon.com slash assembly required! Oh, boy. I want to talk about his performance (laughs) as Venom a little bit, because he does the Venom voice as well, and... Not so much in this one, and this is not a spoiler, but there's a lot more of Venom in the second movie, and there are times when he delivers lines and he sounds like Bane, and it just makes me very happy. But what I think is really interesting, both these movies, how he did it was he actually recorded the Venom lines before they would shoot for the day, and he wore this little earpiece so that he could hear the Venom voice in his head, and no one else could hear it, so he's there arguing arguing with his with himself on set while they're filming, but nobody else could hear it. So it really was like what the other characters were seeing too. So he's just walking around like looking up and like twitchy talking to his head to this voice that no one else could hear, but he actually literally was hearing his voice and playing off of his own performance. That's pretty smart. Yeah. You know, I've talked all this shit about this performance. I kind of love it. I think it's so weird that it just works like it's so weird and so strange that it just kind of somehow it just kind of works tom hardy makes it work and to be honest my favorite part of the whole movie is his venom performance i think venom really Mm -hmm. works like i think he does a really good job playing venom i don't think venom's written well sometimes Mm -hmm. but i think his performance as venom is great i think venom is maybe my favorite part of the movie which makes sense because the movie's called venom uh Mm -hmm. And so I, once again, I find myself wishfully thinking about watching the sequel because from what I understand, Venom is a much larger part of that movie and there's a lot more interaction. It's basically the odd couple. And that sounds like exactly the kind of Venom movie I want to see. Yeah. Without saying too much, giving too much away of my thoughts, this movie was fine. I don't (laughs) ever feel the need to watch it again, but I also don't hate that I watched it uh, like I do with some bad movies that I've seen. Where it's like, oh, that was a waste of time. It's like, and the reason I didn't hate that I watched it was because there are a few genuinely funny moments that happen in this, like on purpose funny. Yeah. Um, but also, Tom Hardy is just so freaking weird in this movie yeah. that I'm glad I saw it. Yes. It's a spectacle to behold. Eddie does whatever he can to get Maria out of the cell, but the, when he succeeds, she begins to attack him violently. 
The symbiote that has been residing in her body then latches onto Eddie as he then attempts to escape the facility. During the escape, we see Eddie show incredible athleticism and uh, heightened strength, and he doesn't really seem surprised by any of it, which is kind of weird. I wish there was just one scene of him being like, what's happening? But instead, he just kind of like jumps off a wall and then kicks a door through open and then leaves. <laughs> yeah, like all of the confusion is in very subtle facial expressions where yeah. he like he like has a puzzled look on his face for half a frame after he... Um, it's the thing he does after he jumps off the wall where he like like sweeps the guy's leg. He stands up and he has like a puzzled look for just a second. And that's it. That's like all you get. Bro, if I saw... This is a problem with just sort of oh. movies and these kinds of movies in general. If I saw a black goo monster combine with my body and then start sprouting limbs and turn into a horrific beast, I'd be in the fetal position on the floor like rocking back and forth not understanding what's happening with the world praying to whatever god will listen to me like there's not <laughs> enough people freaking out about this kind of stuff in these movies yeah that's true even the people attacking them uh, attacking venom are like and eddie are like totally into it there's they don't yeah. see anything different about it they're like uh, yeah that guy it's really weird oh it's so weird he's got teeth and he put on a suit oh well keep shooting him yeah. Mm-hmm. Why's he got a Halloween costume on? <laughs> uh, Drake and his goons find Maria's body and know that there is a symbiote missing. Drake gets Dr. Skirth to tell him that she and Eddie Brock were the ones who broke in because even doctors are stupid sometimes. Uh, then she dies. <laughs> yes. Why would she tell him? He's like, come on. Yeah, that's basically their whole conversation. She's like, I'm not going to tell you. And he's like, come on. Come on, tell me. And she's like, no. And he's like, come on. Come on, tell me. She's like, <laughs> okay, fine, I'll tell you. What's the worst that could happen? And then she dies. She gets bonded to a symbiote and then eventually dies. But she, he basically kills her. Incidentally, that symbiote is the one from the Spider-Man ride, right? Uh, no, the one with the rabbit is the one from the Spider-Man ride. Oh, That's right, screen. right, okay. Drake and his goons find Maria's body, blah, blah, blah. Eddie starts experiencing bizarre symptoms. So he goes to the one place anyone would go when they're feeling crazy. His exes, or more specifically, the date she's currently on. Brock terrorizes the date, as well as everyone at the restaurant in what I can only assume is a showcase for how insane Tom Hardy can act. This is another yes. good good example of Tom Hardy acting just bananas. This scene is bananas. And gross, it's weird, but also it's hilarious. It's weird that he's hitting everybody in the restaurant. Why is he fighting them? He's just like kicking them <laughs> yeah. out of the way to get the food. But sometimes he's like elbowing them, like like slapping them in the face. <laughs> like that guy, he like, he like reaches down in front and grabs the plate and the guy tries to fight him. It must be like the best steak he's ever had or whatever. And then he like punches him. SpongeBob, you got to ask him a question first. Oh yeah. What color is my underwear? <laughs> It's a very sp- specific SpongeBob reference, sorry. Apparently, by the way, he came up with the jumping in the lobster tank on the spot. That's that sounds right. Yeah. I, Did I he just pulled bite the lobster on the spot? Well, Were there lobsters in there? Well, no, because he when he saw that there was a lobster tank, he saw it and goes, I'm going in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they then had to um, actually move, like rebuild some of the stuff when they decided that was what they're going to do. And that's where they made up the, um, they built some, they were, the the lobsters were made of marshmallow. Uh, and uh, the blood was chocolate syrup. Wait, I want to eat that. 
That sounds great. Chocolate lobster. Yeah, so they had to like go in and rebuild some things, but it was just one of those things where he walked in, saw the lobster tank, he's like, I have to get in that lobster tank. Chuck lobster. <laughs> <laughs> down, down, down. Anne's doctor boyfriend agrees to help this crazy man because once again, even doctors are dumb sometimes. Uh, Dan, the doctor, does an MRI on Eddie, but the frequency of the test causes Eddie to freak out and run away. Back home, Eddie gets pissed off at his neighbor for playing loud music, and Eddie shows him his scary face. Drake's goons show up, and Venom dispatches them with ease. But wait, there's more goons. Eddie and his new friend take off into an alley. I wrote ally, and I realized I did not write alley. The symbiote introduces itself as Venom. Venom and Eddie are chased by Drake's kamikaze drones through the streets of San Francisco. Oh yeah, and Eddie has a motorcycle. After fighting off most of the goons and drones, Eddie gets dunked on and splatted onto the street by the head goon. As the head goon talks his shit, Venom decides it's time to make his appearance. He bites someone's head off and then runs away. Classic Venom. (laughs) I started to get really like... I was like overdoing the notes right around this time, and it's going to be very clear in my writing that I was not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was overdoing the notes. <laughs> now, do they ever explain in this movie that Venom actually has to eat brains? Because that comes from the comics, that he has to eat brains. He definitely did not explain that. Okay. No. I think they actually do explain it in the second one, but I couldn't remember if they said anything. There's this chemical in brains that they need that is also in chocolate. Oh, so, no he wants to eat chocolate everywhere. So that's why he starts eating mm. chocolate. Mm. Um, that's like the compromise. Like, if you can't have brains, you can eat chocolate. That sounds better, honestly. Yeah, I, I'd much rather eat chocolate than brains. Chocolate lobster. Eddie and Venom go to his former boss to deliver proof of Drake being a dick. And then we get to everyone's favorite scene. Venom oh. calls Drake, uh, Venom calls Brock a pussy. Now, Peach... I had not seen this movie, but when it came out and I remember asking you what you thought about it and you told me you didn't like it. And I was like, what didn't you like about it? And you very specifically told me about this scene in which Venom calls Eddie a pussy. And it has been a running joke for me ever since. I think it's so funny that you really don't like this. So I want to hear about it. Listen, man, I I didn't like it the first time. I didn't like it this time. And I think before I didn't really know why I didn't like it. It just didn't feel right to me. I think I can articulate it a little bit better now. I think the problem is, because I've talked about this, maybe we've talked about it a little bit on this podcast. I know I've talked about it with you guys in, in the group chat. And one of the responses to Eddie or um, Venom deciding to call Eddie a pussy was that perhaps Venom... I think it was from you, Chris. It was perhaps that Venom bonding with Eddie, he would have absorbed some of Eddie's vocabulary and and maybe used it against him. But the thing is, I don't believe that Eddie Brock is going around calling anybody a pussy. There's like there's several scenes, even though this movie is like kind of all over the place. There's several scenes that show that Tom Hardy is playing a character that like underneath the surface of his weirdness is a morally good character. Like he gives the homeless girl $20 for a paper that is free just because he tells Venom throughout the movie. He shouldn't eat anybody unless they're really, really bad. He doesn't. 
Well, he does at the end. He does at the very end, but he doesn't during. But the he, movie. but in the beginning, he tries to tell him like when they first bond that there are good people and it doesn't go very far. But the point is like, Eddie is a good person, and I can't see him. I'm not saying good people have never used the word pussy. I'm saying it doesn't seem like an insult that Eddie Brock would use. So I don't feel like Venom would pull that from his vocabulary. Well, I think he doesn't need to use it for him to know it. I know that, but. <laughs> It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't, that explanation doesn't feel right to me. I think the other reason that I don't like it is because it's just such an easy insult. Like, think of all the people you've ever known in your life that use pussy as like a, a main insult. They have it in their their number one slot roster as far as name calling people. They slot call people, roster? Slot roster? <laughs> they call... <laughs> And if if you choose to to call people a pussy as your main insult, you're kind of a trash person. I'm sorry. That's yeah. if you want to fight me, you can fight me. If 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 that made you dislike me, I'm sorry. You can call me it's, a pussy. It's casual but misogyny is what it is. It is, and it's not. It's just not a. It's trashy, and I don't like it. And I think that I think going back to your, this feels like it comes from 2000. The writing feels very out of touch in this scene, and I think that is the main reason it bothers me. There are so many other things that Venom could have called him. There's any number of insults if that's what he wanted to do. If he wanted to make fun of his fear of heights, he could have said anything. He could have even said pansy if they were really, they were really like dialed in on we must call him a pussy. Like maybe change a few letters, call him a pansy. It's something similar you know what i mean like i just don't it feels out of touch with 2018 2017 mm-hmm. and i just don't think it's necessary yeah it's one of those things i i laughed when it happened but not because i thought it was funny if that makes sense I'm just kind of like oh okay it it really caught me by surprise and you know on some level it's funny to hear the space alien say a naughty word but yeah, but that's just a word that, you know, it's not... Here's where it... Yeah, but it's, it's just gross. There's this other scene in the movie where the main goon guy, whatever his name is, he watches um, Tom Hardy flying through the air, and then Venom reaches out and grabs the motorcycle and pulls it back in. I think this is when it happens. And he says, what the fuck? Except it's one of those playful camera work scenes where he's about to say fuck but they go to the next scene so he is like what the and you hear the the and that's all you hear so you're concerned about taking fuck out of your movie but you're but you you're gonna use pussy as an insult well they they do say fuck later and you only get one in a PG-13 movie. Sure, and that's so. and maybe that's why. But how many pussies do you get in a PG-13 movie? At least one. At least one. I mean, I don't, I've never seen... Eduardo, no. you're not allowed to answer that. <laughs> uh, look, let me play a little was, bit of... It's just cringe. cringe. I think I agree with you, but also I... One, I think this movie spends its time battling its own PG-13 rating throughout the entire movie. I think a rated R rating would have helped this movie, not necessarily so they could call everybody a pussy, but because I think Venom biting people's heads off and Riot slicing people in half and through and all this kind of stuff would have been... Pussy Riot. What? That's a a band slash protest group. Pussy Riot. That is true. Sorry, I just remembered that. Um, And so I think this movie would have been a little bit better served with an R rating. I think they would have 
had their you know hands a little less tied because it felt it felt like their hands were tied the whole movie. I also think there is maybe some truth to the fact that Venom understands Eddie, and Venom only calls Eddie a pussy because that's what Eddie thinks of himself. Like when they're in the forest, and he calls him a loser because he is a loser. Like I think Eddie. Like Ed, uh, Venom talks a lot about how he's in Eddie's head. He knows what's going on in there, and he knows how Eddie is feeling. Like I, I, they don't explore it any further. And I think that's what the Don and Kate's run of you know King and Black and this whole Venom run is really good about Venom and and Eddie like understanding each other and having this thing about Venom caring about Eddie, but understanding what's in Eddie's own head and being like, you're not strong enough to do this, so I'm the one that's going to take over. And it's a really interesting dynamic and it feels like that there were shades of that in this movie but they never took it far enough for it to really really matter and i think that's maybe a missed opportunity of the movie i could see that since you know venom's thing is that he knows everything inside of eddie's head like i could see him saying like you think you're a coward so i will call you right he could have picked any other word sure right but i I think that's the the general sentiment now just calling him a pussy in general it's real it's real low hanging fruit. Like it's yeah. something that's going to get a chuckle maybe the first time. And then you'll never get a chuckle again because it'll be like, Oh, that's actually kind of gross. So like, and I think that that's, that's a big part of it too, is that I don't think that scene, I think they are literally just using that word to try to get that chuckle because yes. otherwise he calls him a coward. It wouldn't be funny. It would just be like, okay, you said that line. You know, it would have been so much more funny if he called him a weenie. You know how funny, much more funny it'd be a Venom, <laughs> yeah. like big, bad, burly, scary Venom was like, you weenie. Like, that, that would be so funny. much more funny. I would like that better, yes. Yeah, like he just doesn't really understand Earth insults, so he calls him a weenie. Like, I think that would be so much better. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Hearing Venom go, weenie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think stuff like that, maybe they need to lean into a little more. Once again, we haven't seen, two of the three of us haven't seen Let There Be Carnage, so I don't know how much they lean into that kind of stuff, but I hope that they lean into it a little more. I hope they lean into Venom being a little bit little bit kind of crazier and wackier and Eddie trying to rail him, um, rail him, trying to, to, to... That's a different movie. To rein him in. That is not PG-13. <laughs> Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> hey, maybe there are zero pussies in this movie. Uh... <laughs> I'm uncomfy. <laughs> Chuck Lobster! I agree. I think it's it's a strange use of the word. And pretty lowbrow. Once again, the goons show up trying to come for Venom, but this time Venom goes ape shit and wrecks everyone. Probably the coolest fight scene in the whole movie. I think this is the coolest that we get to see Venom in. I don't think we get to see Venom enough in this movie. I think for a movie that's called Venom, we really don't get enough time with them. And part of that is the superhero origin story problem of we need to show this origin, but you take too long getting to the origin to show the character, right? Like I want just venom for the whole movie. I don't, I don't care about, you know, Eddie Brock, like that first part of the movie where, you know, he goes and he goes, does the the interview and he's like talking to his boss and then he like breaks up with his girlfriend and then he's all sad all the way up until we actually get Venom. The movie is like a slog. It was very hard to get through when I was watching it earlier, but then the movie decides that it's going to go and then it slams its foot down on the accelerator and then never yeah. stops for the rest of the movie. It's very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. 
Anne sees Venom almost have someone's face as a snack and rightfully freaks out. Venom changes back into Eddie form and pleads for help. Once again, Dan helps his girlfriend's crazy ex-boyfriend because he's actually the only doctor in San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) They are able to separate the symbiote from Eddie using the MRI machine after it's discovered that Venom has been killing Eddie from the inside. As Eddie tries to peace out, he is finally caught by the goons. Venom possesses a dog and then has a staring contest with Anne. (laughs) I'm glad that dog didn't die. This movie... And like I was saying, Chris, this movie from this point on goes at such a brisk pace. It feels like the movie ends in like three seconds. And, yeah, you know, it's strange for a lot of reasons. But one of the main reasons is that we don't get one of the things that makes Venom such a good character. And it's Venom's relationship with Spider-Man. Old Spidey. You yeah, know, old the old webhead. Web like yeah. he is Venom is made to be the antithesis of Spider-Man, right? He is meant to be Spider-Man's, his opposite in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's strange that he's not in this movie at all. Yeah, it's it's like if DC said, we're going to make a Bizarro movie and we're not going to mention Superman once. Yeah. You know, it's, which I could see them doing I mean, actually. It's but, like DC going, um, we're going to make a Joker movie and we're not going to mention Batman once. Although they did have that weird yeah. scene with Martha and Martha. Uh, Martha. <laughs> but why did you say that name? <laughs> I don't know what voice I'm trying to do there. That was like a collection of all of them at once. <laughs> it was supposed to be. A... It's like I was doing like Christian Venom Bale's Batman. Batman, Venom, and and Ben Affleck's Batman at the same time. So it came out sound like Louis Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why'd you say that name? I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous to me. That they made a movie about the evil Spider-Man without Spider-Man. No Spider-Man connection whatsoever, except for they mentioned Jameson and also Eddie Brock. And such an important part of Venom, both Venom and Eddie Brock, is that they feel like losers specifically because of Peter Parker. And that is and that's what brings them together as, you know, for all that has been said about Spider-Man 3. They got that part right, at least. They did. They, they might have screwed up everything else about Venom, but they got that part right. Be honest with you, that we talked about it on the episode. I really uh, liked that Eddie Brock. You know, I remember not liking it when I was younger, but watching it again, I thought they did Eddie Brock pretty well. I think once he yeah. becomes Venom, it gets real weird and not cool. But yeah, up until they, then, you know what? He's not the big burly Eddie Brock that I remember, but he's got this like it's it's the same spirit of the character. Uh-huh. Whereas yeah, this, I agree. Yeah. This is a, Eddie is fine in that movie. This is it's a Venom completely that different Eddie Brock. Yeah. And I think one reason I, I I think this movie doesn't work 100%, in addition to them leaving out all the Spider-Man connection, which is just weird, they also had to super compress both Eddie's character arc and Venom's character arc uh, just because they wanted to fast forward to the part where he's an anti-hero which took years in the comics. You know, and there were years of him as a villain before he started turning the corner and becoming a lethal protector. I mean, that's that's a famous run in the comics that they named drop like 20 times in the sequel. <laughs> I will say that right now. I don't know how many times they say lethal protector, but that's what they're going for is that version of Venom who is like 
Spider-Man, but he'll bite your head off. But he's a friend to the downtrodden and all of that, and he's trying to do right. And And Venom's arc in the comics has been really interesting because he's had so many hosts that have influenced him. Flash Thompson being one of the biggest influences who made the Venom symbiote want to be good. And here they just kind of throw that all into Eddie Brock and have it happen because he stood on top of a building and is like, oh, the lights are pretty. Maybe this planet's okay. Eddie, I'm your friend now. Uh, they, they just squish it all so much to get to Hero Venom, Antihero Venom, whatever you want to call it. But not Anti-Venom, that's someone else. It's so rushed and weird. And yeah, it is more entertaining once we actually start getting Venom in this movie. But that it's just part of the reason that this doesn't work. You move past that and a sequel is always going to be better than this because you're there. You kind of accept in superhero movie sequels that a couple years have passed and some stuff has happened and you're like, okay, uh, we can kind of get into these, this relationship now. Um, But just in one movie, it was like, they just really wanted to get to that point. And also, legally had to leave out a bunch of stuff that that they couldn't touch or maybe they could have touched it i don't know but they chose not to uh for for various reasons so yeah it's it's a really weird path they took in this movie i guess i don't even know when they would have found time to fit in scenes with a spider-man because there's just this movie's already like over two hours for like what like yeah, for what and- because we have to watch the the traveling riot symbiote go from person to person, or we have to watch a motorcycle chase scene that's like eight and a half minutes long for who knows why. Like, I guess that's where you find your time to put any Spider-Man stuff in, but yeah, then you that's... still run into the problem, like you just said, of compress Eddie Brock, compress Venom, and now compress that relationship with Spider-Man. Yeah, because you need the whole relationship of Spider-Man and the symbiote if you're going to if you're going to try to do that version of the Venom origin story, yeah. there's no way to do that in one movie. I think we even said in the Spider-Man three episode of the podcast, and we say that if they had split that into two movies and Spider-Man three had been Spider-Man dealing with a symbiote and Spider-Man four had been, Oh, now there's Venom. That would have been good. Spider-Man four. Oh, now there's Venom. <laughs> <laughs> That's Oh, that's about on the level of Venom, let there be carnage. Let's be honest. Yeah, it really is. You know what I would have loved to see was a, this will never happen, but I would love to see dual movies released with Spider-Man and Venom, have one be Spider-Man versus Venom and have the second one be Venom versus Spider-Man. And they both show the, that character's, perspective and one of them paints uh, venom as the villain and the other one maybe even paints spider-man as the villain and shows sort of how because that's kind of like a cool thing about venom is that venom thinks that spider-man isn't a good person he thinks he's a bad guy that like and peter parker is a bad guy that does some really like gross stuff and like obviously it's a matter of perspective but i would have loved to see that type of perspective whereas i don't think um I don't think this shows any kind of perspective. Like it's really hard for them to sort of ignore everything that's comes before it when it's so integral to the character. Like in the future, I mean, I know Sony and um, I know Sony and Marvel have worked out some kind of deal where Spider-Man's going to start showing up. 
I know that they've talked about that. I would love to see this Tom Hardy and Tom Holland share the screen at some point. I think it would be really interesting. I would think I think it'd be really interesting for this Tom Hardy to not like Tom Holland. Like I would think it's really interesting for him to just be really pissed off about being because this Tom Holland is so likable, right? He's such a mm-hmm. likable person, and I would love to see this Eddie Brock be like, "No, kid, you're an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be you're really always cool. crying about the man in the middle suit. <laughs> you had an uncle, and he loved you. Hey, that's how we get. Iron Man with the Venom symbiote. I'm doing lots of air quotes. Back at the Life Foundation, Drake questions Brock over Venom's whereabouts. Brock obviously has no clue. We find out that the that the mystery armor, or excuse me, mystery armor. I'm you got me confused. That the mystery symbiote is actually Riot, a squad leader. Now I'm doing air quotes. Where we dropping boys? (laughs) A squad leader of the symbiotes, and that he has taken Drake as a host. Drake orders his goons to kill Brock, but they have to do it in the woods because even though tons of people have already died in the lab a few scenes ago, this is somehow different. (laughs) I like that your notes are like half roasting the movie. (laughs) I I just kept... Eduardo style notes are a roast. (laughs) Boom, roasted. Boom, roasted. (laughs) Uh, right before Eddie gets a hot one to the dome, who, um, Venom, <laughs> who is taken taken Anne as his Uber to Eddie, saves him from the goons. Uh, they make out. That's from the comics, by the way, she Venom. It was Anne. I found this out like an hour ago. (laughs) It is there. That's a really big part of the Donnie Cates run. Oh, really? And, oh, okay. Um, and Eddie's and their relationship, and because she's not alive in the more anymore in the comics, uh-huh. and it, there's a lot that comes after their relationship. If you catch my drift, oh, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. so that has a lot to do. That's like a big part of the, the okay. story. Uh, they make out in what is one of the weirdest scenes from this Bizarro movie. Funny, we found a way to fit Bizarro in there. Now we then get this like really really big fight scene, but. Like I said, Peaches, this movie at some point decided it was going to put its foot on the accelerator and then it just wasn't going to get off, even though it was really strangely paced at the beginning. Not to say that this isn't strangely paced, because it is strange if you compare it to the other part of the movie. Yeah, it's. I, I don't think it's unlike an origin story to have kind of weird pacing, but this one, I don't know. Overall, rewatching this movie, I mostly like, I, I had a good time. Like I, I probably wouldn't seek it out again unless we decided to record something about it again. So overall, but overall entertaining, but I think the biggest issue it has that just sticks out to me is this pacing because in the beginning of the movie, in the beginning of the movie, we get like pretty normal pacing uh, for like building a character, right? Like we see how Eddie Brock we get this montage of him, which montages don't always work, but I think in this case, the montage was okay. Like we saw him being a, uh, like a justice seeking reporter and kind of getting in people's face and showing how he came to fame. And then we watch his downfall of, you know, the mistake that he made. And I think that's at, you know, pace X, whatever that is. And then once Venom attaches himself to Eddie, like, it stre- it almost stretches it out too much. Or initially, it stretches it out too much. Like 
there's a I think the apartment fight is really cool. I think the apartment fight is kind of what you asked for earlier, where he's like confused about what he's doing. Like Venom keeps taking over certain parts of his body and like he beats the crap out of all these these guys. Cool. It's really fun to watch. And then they get on a motorcycle and they they ride this motorcycle for like 35 minutes. I swear to God, it's like 20% of the movie. I was I was falling asleep. Like I was trying so hard while watching this movie not to fall asleep during that scene because it just it just goes on and on and on. And it reminded me how Angela and whoever agreed with her, I don't remember. I just remember Angela brought it up, how she felt about the action sequences in Winter Soldier feeling too long and drawn out. And I don't feel like this motorcycle chase scene really added any value because we already saw a showcase of the things Venom could do in the apartment. And then the motorcycle scene was like, you know how people sometimes describe Taco Bell menu items as they're all the same thing rearranged in a different way. That's what this scene was with them showcasing Venom's powers on the motorcycle. It was just, Oh, Eddie's in danger. Do some Venom stuff to get him out of danger. Oh, the motorcycle's a little far away. Use your Venom powers to pull the motorcycle back. Like, it's just the same thing over and over. I don't need to watch 35 fucking minutes of a motorcycle chase. We get it. You're stretchy. Yeah. And then we get to the part of the movie where Anne uses the MRI frequency to detach them. And she comes looking for him in the forest. And... This gets really weird because nowhere in any of this weirdly paced movie, like you said earlier, when Venom's just like, ah, city is pretty. I guess I'll stay on Earth. There's nowhere in this span of time where like Eddie and Venom have had real bonding moments. Obviously, bonding is a funny word to use in this situation, but they haven't become homies. You know, they haven't become bros. They haven't had time to really develop an actual relationship. And then right after this forest scene, Venom tells Eddie he's going to stay. And Eddie asks why. And the whole line afterward is because of you, Eddie. What? (laughs) In what portion of the movie did we get any character development between these two other than they fought together? Like, if they would have taken... 20 minutes from the motorcycle scene and five minutes from the globe trotting riot scene, they could have given, (laughs) given them some like moments where they're learning to become friends and then Venom decides to stay. So I feel like that's, that's weird pacing because we never saw like, that's, did they fast forward through a section of the movie that we just missed? Did they just like blip ahead and we missed all these deleted scenes or something? And then the end of the movie ends like I've made this comparison on the podcast before when you're a kid and you're playing with your action figures and you get tired of playing with your action figures. So now all of the hits are one hit KOs. That's the final fight scene in this movie is like, Oh, they're going to have a big fight. A couple of moves happen. Rocket explodes. End. And I just don't get it. I don't know why it's all over the place. It's like perfect speed, way too drawn out like as fast forward as you can like 64 times speed movies over i don't get it i don't understand what they were going for there with the pacing did it feel like that obvious to you guys because that's that's all i've been thinking about yeah this movie is 
it, it, like I said before, it feels like it's caught between two places. One of them is a really long, you know, origin story, and the other one is a balls to the wall action flick that you know, once it starts, it doesn't stop. And I feel like I know which one of those two things that I prefer. And of <laughs> yeah. those two things, I just want the second one. You know, yeah, I like just, just pick one, right? Absolutely. And I think they have they've. I feel like this movie had a lot of hands in it. That's what it seems like to me. It feels like a movie that where lots of people had a lot of, they just kept, people just kept coming up with ideas. Like, what if we do this? And then just like somebody else, like, what if we did this? And they were just said yes to everything. And they put it all in this movie. And I don't think it, it feels like it doesn't have a vision. Like it feels like it was, it feels like it was made by, you know, those, um, those things where it's like I made a bot to watch a hundred hours of this and then this happened. Like so <laughs> yeah. this, I yeah. had this bot read all these Venom comics and watch all these early two thousand superhero movies and then had it spit out a superhero movie <laughs> and that's what we got. That's what this kind of feels like. Like it that feels like it's running through the motions and it's you know kind of doing that kind of stuff. Except but I love those. Yeah, and it doesn't feel like it's succeeding at any one thing. And the things that it does succeed at, um, I think they just needed to to flesh out more. So yeah, I think the pacing is a big problem in this movie and it kind of takes you out because like I've said before, I think the highs are really high and the lows are really low, but the highs I think are fun. Like I think there is some fun there's some fun stuff in this movie and that's just kind of what I, I just want fun stuff. Like I watch this movie like I watch like a Fast and the Furious movie. I'm not expecting super realism. I don't need you to give me like a grounded tale. Give me a bunch of wacky nonsense because that's what I'm here for. If you're going to give me this kind of Tom Hardy, if you're going to give me this kind of Venom, if you're going to show me that, just give me nonsense because it's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Watching the movie, I had definite thoughts of, well, I hope the sequel is this and not that. Absolutely. Can I? I just thought of something else that bothered me that I don't know if we're even going to end up talking about because there's like some foreshadowing some dialogue that i believe is supposed to be foreshadowing and it doesn't well i guess it is resolved because they talk about how he's averse to um sound and fire and then he catches fire when he's a parachute in the last part of the fight scene and you think that he's dead and then he's not dead but there's no way to know he's not dead until he talks to eddie but he caught on fire Let's get so it what out was for the me point? And I wore the biggest smile. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> was it was was the fire line because Riot dies in an explosion? Because I don't believe that Riot, if Venom survived after being lit on fire, why would I believe that Riot didn't survive? I don't think that uh, Drake survives. But no. did the, was the fire line for no reason? Um, Didn't Drake just put out a new album? Sorry. Um, is it I fire? I don't know. Drake every time you've said Drake today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's supposed to be the explosion killing Riot, but it it's never really explained why, why Venom survives. Yeah. I mean, in the comics, fire and sound are the traditional weaknesses of the symbiotes and you know that that will i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say oh fire plays at least some role in the sequel because there's more symbiotes so 
Yeah. You know, that that's gonna you know, that's they've established it so they can go back to that well whenever they want now. But yeah, it's weird. I I, I don't understand how Venom survived. I mean that's really what it comes down to. Look, I I think the movie has, has some serious problems, but I think I'm 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 ready for the sequel. Like I'm, my body is ready for it. But to close this one out, uh, Venom informs Eddie of the symbiote's evil plot to take over the world. Uh, Vetti, uh, Venom, oh, Vetti. Vetti also tells Eddie that he's changed his mind. Eddie Vetter. Uh, because on his planet, he's a loser, and here he can actually be somebody. And that's pretty relatable. Uh, the two attempt to stop Riot and Drake from firing off the Life Foundation's new rocket. A big CGI fight happens, but Eddie and Venom stand victorious, even though we're supposed to think Venom is dead for a solid 45 seconds. Eddie then calls a criminal a turd and eats him whole. Credits. Uh... <laughs> okay, I, I, I gotta get this out there. That was in the damn trailer, and it was the last scene of the movie. Yep. What the hell? Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough... Kind of like the rhino thing. That's exactly what I was gonna say! Yeah. Oh my god, you're right! Sorry, I didn't know I was stealing no, that no, from No, no, that's you. exactly what I was going to say. Just like in Amazing Spider-Man 2, how the, the trailers all had Rhino, and then it ended up being the last scene in that movie. I blame Avi Arad. <laughs> Episode MVPs. Peach, we'll start with you. Who's your MVP for Venom? I mean, there's only one person in the movie, so Tom Hardy, right? Like, <laughs> I don't... I, like, this is not... I agree with what you're saying earlier about how his performance is wacky. It's definitely weird. It's all over the place. Uh, he might be on cocaine... Is that what it's called? Cocaine users on cocaine or is it using? I don't know. Someone, someone write to me about cocaine. I have questions. <laughs> I don't, I don't think there's anyone else's performance in the movie that even comes close to his. And I, it's very weird. I wouldn't say it's like something that I'll think about for a long period of time. So I'm not saying it's like the greatest performance I've ever seen, but like, there's not really another character in the movie who would even come close to this spot, in my opinion. So you guys proved me right, Chris. <laughs> who did, yeah. you, who did um, you say is the MVP? I also say Tom Hardy for his dual performances, Eddie Brock and Venom. I love his Venom voice, and you know it's just so freaking weird. The Literally the only other line in this movie that I remember that's anything that's not what Venom said was at the end when Anne looks at Eddie and says very solemnly, I'm sorry about Venom. It's just like, what a weird thing to say. I mean, it's a nice thing to say when you've just lost your best friend, symbiote, brain friend, whatever he is. But <laughs> You're Fetty. Yeah, but I'm sorry about Venom. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's Tom Hardy. Eduardo? Uh, I also picked Thomas Hardis. Um <laughs> You know, there's another. There's a few other things that you've just made me think about. One of them is the voices. I thought it was weird that when we see Anne taken over by the Venom symbiote, her voice is a combination of Venom's and her own voice. But every time we see Eddie in the Venom symbiote, the only time his voice is a combination of Eddie's and Venom's is when he takes off half, half the face and says, we are Venom. But I think that's how Venom's voice is always supposed to be. He's always supposed to be both of them at the same time because they are they are one, right? Like that's how I always envision Eddie and we Venom. are Venom. We are Venom. Yeah. Right? Like when they're speaking individually, that's when you can hear their own voices. But when they're talking as a collective, I expect to hear them both together. Um, I forgot what the second thing I was going to say was, but 
we've already trashed this movie enough, so I don't, I don't want to like dunk on it anymore than we need to. Cause I actually kind of like this movie. Like, I think it's a fun time for what it is. I think if I was really drunk, I would love watching this movie. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to rate it as such. I'm going to give it seven turds in the wind out of 10. What about you, Chris? I gave it, uh, yeah. Like I said earlier, I, don't know if I ever need to watch this movie ever again, but I don't hate that I did watch it. I gave it 6.5 lobster tank baths out of 10. Uh, how about you, Peaches? I love that Eduardo segues from, I think this movie is fun and I would get drunk and watch it and I'm rating it seven turds. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it six and a half wild, wild wests out of 10, uh, which is a great number of wild, wild wests in my opinion. Absolutely. But yeah. And if, crazy. if you've stuck around to listen to the end of this show, um, want to give a little bit of an announcement. Right now, we are deciding for our own sanity, because we've put out a ton of content from the beginning of the year. The Disney Plus shows kind of really beat us down doing show week after week after week. That until Hawkeye comes out, uh, Assembly Required will be shifting into a bi-weekly show. And we will be back to full weekly once the new um, Disney Plus show comes out, but for now we're going to be bi-weekly, so imagine, or expect the next episode to be out in about two weeks. We do still want to thank everybody so, so much for listening and, and hanging with us, so hopefully you can give us a little bit of time to recharge our batteries until the next Disney Plus show. If you still want to support us, you can do so over at assembly, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash assemblyrequired. Huge shout-outs to our Avengers-level patrons, Brian and Riley. If you want to email the show, talk to us about Venom. Maybe there was some stuff that we missed that you also didn't like or stuff that you really liked. You can do so. Assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us, the show on Twitter, you can do it at assemblycast. Follow all of us individually. D underscore peaches for peaches. GatorSax2010 for Chris. Uh, PhilKid3 for Robbie. ABCD Eduardo1 for myself. That's going to do it for myself. For Chris, for Peaches. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Bobbly Bobbly. Daddy, someone set a fire in your car because you took too long and I got bored. <laughs> money, please. Oh, no, no, there's no money. Oh, my bad. No problem. <laughs> oh, okay. That's fine. Um, I'll just destroy this office. Oh, hey! <clears throat> money, please. Money, please. Ben, give her some money. It's easier. <laughs>